0: Hey guys, back on the podcast today. This is take three. I've got Montana joining me today. I'm going to let you introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, so I'm Montana Dupay and I work at Team Ecto here in Perth. Um, I work as a nutrition physiologist and a nutrition coach with them. And I'm also currently doing my research at the University of Western Australia. So my research looks into nutrient interactions with the immune system and a lot of sort of nutrient mediated um, physiological functions with the human body so that's sort of my that's my that's
0: what I do awesome and sure she's really really smart (laughs) um this is actually the third time we've tried to do the podcast and it will work this time so this is gonna be amazing um so you started university when you were 16.
1: I did. Yeah. Yes. You want to
0: talk a bit about that and how you got into it and what you want to do.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, I sort of always knew that I wanted to go to university and yeah, I guess was always really interested in the human body and how it worked and I guess ultimately kind of helping people. That was that was yeah, I guess my my motivator and my driver to going to uni. I didn't know exactly where I was going to end up or exactly what I wanted to really do with that, but I knew that I wanted to work in sort of health. So I began at Curtin University yeah, also here in Perth and I did a health science degree. And then I ended up going about halfway through that over to Edith Cowan um, to do my exercise physiology degree where I majored in nutrition and nutrition physiology. And then that sort of led me into my research over at Uni- University of Western Australia, so at UWA. And yeah, sort of been there since. So, been researching my current project for 18 months now. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. (laughs) It's been a bit of a long road, but um, yeah, it's going quite well. And um, we should have a paper in the next sort of month or two, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, hoping to get that kind of published and yeah, move forward with that. So, it's going going well.
0: That's really exciting. Um, Let's give a run through what a typical day looks like for you with your research.
1: Oh, with research yeah. um, every day is different so it's really really is one of the greatest things about research I think in my opinion is uh, sort of no two days are the same and I guess also anything can happen so it's kind of keeps you on your toes but um majorly what sort of my research sort of entails is one of m- a multitude of things it can be sort of literature revision and sort of really understanding what the science says currently, what we currently know, and I guess identifying the gaps in that and where we should kind of direct future research and those sort of things. So really looking at what what has been looked at, what we need to look at, and sort of, I guess, how we can apply that to people on an everyday basis and how we can, yeah, further that to ensure that we're helping people, which is ultimately why I do it. Um... It can be in the lab, so I might be testing people, taking blood samplings. Even so cool. yeah, it's yeah. very cool. Um, even just having a chat to people about sort of their experiences nutritionally, how they feel um, with certain diets and sort of um, dietary regimens, different foods, things like that. I do a lot of talking, um, and yeah. So whether or not we can sort of take observations from humans, yep. be them sort of physiological measures or their perceptions and how they feel. And then relating that back to what we're observing to be outcomes and also what the literature kind of currently says and how many correlations and causations we can draw from those things. So, yeah, that, that's sort of where I see it. I love it. That's really
0: yeah. cool. Um, and I suppose, like, what was the main driver for you wanting to help people? Like, is there a, someone in your life or was it like, um, previous past experience that made you want to reach out and help people?
1: Um, yeah, actually like definitely. I think a multitude a multitude of things I think that I really got into nutrition and nutrition physiology because I've always had this this interest in sort of how the human body functions. But a lot of the time, you know, with nutrients and stuff, they're very they have a, a lot more of a role human nutrition has a bigger role than simply you know calories in calories out as as we guess um, we get taught it and the way that i sort of look at nutrition and the way that my my science my work looks at nutrition is how certain nutrients can be beneficial to exert a certain result or Um, outcome, I guess, physiologically. Yep. So that was something that really interested me, especially from a health perspective. So performance I've had as well. <laughs> performance yeah. for health, performance, um, just the way we feel, and even you know body composition. So no matter the goal, um, there are certain nutrient pathways and uh, mediated interventions that you can do to aid in that. Um, that. Yeah, and yeah. sort of I guess for me that came from a health perspective that I was mostly interested in that because a lot of the time when you sort of see a doctor for a health issue they'll straight away give you a medicine that's that's Western medicine yeah. um, and then sort of say you know you need to you need to look at your diet but they don't tell you what exactly to look at they just say what's increase. your diet yeah, yeah. Um, or you know you need to be concerned about this or seek assistance with this but they can't you know, usually give a point blank kind of answer as to what or to where, yeah. where to go, what to, what to look for, or what to do, and that sort of depends because every person's goals and needs are going to be different depending on sort of whether or not they have a certain condition, obviously their goal, what they're trying to achieve, and yeah, each, each individual is is different, so that's sort of why but when you look into the researchers, there's, there's a lot of gaps there, so. Yeah, that's
0: huge, and that, that's what creates such a, uh, a big opportunity for someone like you um, as a scientist. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you haven't seen Montana, she doesn't look like a scientist. She looks like a Victoria's Secret model oh, more than a scientist. So. <laughs> you you. Doesn't look like a typical scientist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it leaves such a, a, a big space for you as a scientist to be able to um, do research and to get these results, be able to help people and point them in the right direction to get their health back on track. Because, like you said, you know, you go to a doctor and you go in there. They do bloods so like, oh, you could be a bit better here and there. But they don't give you uh, specifics on what you actually need to increase on it. could be like, you know, magnesium. It could be your vitamin Bs. It could be whatever it is that um, could be lacking in the body to help it be at a better level of health, right?
1: Completely, yeah. And, you know, even if they do sort of maybe allude to that a little bit, then, then they can't or don't, I guess, tell you exactly what to do with that, you know. So they might say, yeah, you're, you're zinc deficient, but then they won't say... You know, if you can increase your seafood consumption, and you know, eat eat around this certain time of day, these certain foods, or eat these foods with those foods, or you know, this is going to do X Y Z for you. Yeah. It it would make it a lot more clear for a, a person with that issue, but they don't do that. They sort of more just go, okay, your zinc is sufficient, Here's a zinc supplement, and it's very sort of simplistic way of thinking. Um, and yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah. I would
0: actually mind ask your opinion, but what do you think about the um the Minerals and metal tests, where they do the skin on the, the scan of the mineral density of the skin. Um, the
1: mineral
0: density of the skin. Um. Yeah, they do it up at Captain Sterling Pharmacy there. I'm not 100 percent sure what the actual scan is called.
1: Oh. Okay. Yeah. I'm actually not familiar with that. Okay. Cool. I'll mm. send
0: you a link afterwards, but um, I was wondering if that's um, uh, anything you've heard of. But uh, how would you usually go about testing for like magnesium? Is that usually through blood tests?
1: magnesium specifically um yeah usually with any sort of deficiency nutrient deficiency you you can pick that up through through a blood blood test yeah um there are a lot of sort of other scans and tests and stuff that you can do for different sort of health related outcomes um but yeah mostly bloods bloods is quite sufficient yeah
0: like blood doesn't lie right yeah exactly yeah it's probably my first books i read when i was uh
1: signals match the signs yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, exactly
0: i just thought it was really cool and like um especially like you know I'm not qualified to talk about, but it's nice having that uh, information handy to know. So, when you know, clients like, oh, you know, I've had this done or getting this done, it's like, oh, good, it's probably good to refer you on someone else because it looks like this is going that way. So, might be good for someone else to have an opinion on this other than your normal GP. So, most
1: definitely, yeah. Look, bloods are are really important, bloods are something that I look at very, very regularly, like most days. Um, But, yeah, for sure, oftentimes I'll get people or clients or um, even people in a live setting sort of say, oh, you know, like I got my bloods done and the doctor said I'm all fine or, you know, I might have like a mild deficiency of this, but doctor said it's fine or my hormones yeah. are this or... And I'm always sort of intrigued to just have a second look because... You know, with the blood tests, the reference ranges that they refer against are
0: it's like two hundred percent difference almost. Mm, it's ridiculous. It's such a big range. Well the ranges yeah. can
1: be wide, but also the reference ranges that are, you know, quote unquote normal are referenced against the sort of average of the population. Which are
0: healthy? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So but if you look at sort of the average population or the average person we're not actually, on average, that healthy. Mm. So, you know, in my opinion, those reference ranges are not necessarily always cued to be a a healthy range. They're a normal range, Um, which is, yeah, unfortunate in a Western country that we're, yeah have a lot of prevalence
0: of disease, so. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, if you listen to this podcast in any other time in the future other than 2021, there's a lot going on in the world right now with COVID. And I suppose like one of the biggest things um, people are probably taking more seriously is their health. And understanding like, you know, like the importance of vitamin D, zinc, magnesiums in ways to help fight off naturally um, disease or illnesses or viruses, so.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's certainly made us all more conscious. I don't know whether or not it was due to the time in lockdown that we all had extra time to kind of internalise and look at yeah. ourselves, which which was great, um, or whether or not we're all kind of freaked out and gone away. Is my immune system actually really functioning that well?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. Because, like, uh, I suppose in this Western world we live in, it is generally quite a stressed life people have, um, which, again, affects a lot on overall health. Major. It affects a lot on uh, minerals and vitamin levels in the body. Um, you probably talk more about that, but um, what's, your, what's your thoughts and research on stress on the body and um, how that affects health?
1: Yeah, this is, this is a major topic for me, something that I deal with really, really frequently. Um, so for, I think the first thing to note is that the body can't really discern sort of one stress from another, Physiologically speaking, um, the way that we kind of perceive stress physiologically and how the body responds to that from a sort of neural and endocrine response is the same whether or not it's a psychological stress or a physical stress. So, you know, technically, you know, one very um, great way of wording it and that I've heard someone word it, it's not my own. Um, But your body doesn't really know the difference between being chased by a lion and your cranky boss, you know, yelling at you, unfortunately. So it it doesn't have the capacity to discern that. So it responds, yeah, physiologically in the same way, which is quite crazy, you know, if you think about it. How stressed out you'd be if you're being chased by a lion. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. Or someone not texting you back. It's like God, I don't completely. Know. It's like like, you don't know the difference. Like your body doesn't know the difference. That is right? absolutely
1: yeah. right. Yeah. So from like a perception, um, consciously, you know that you're not being chased by a lion, and it's just yeah. you know traffic, and you keep getting red lights, or um, you know, but your body doesn't. Your body doesn't understand that, and um, the way that that sort of sort of happens is. Your body responds from a nervous system and a hormonal basis with that, um, and a lot of the time, sort of through your um, hypothalamic-adrenal access, axis, um, you'll have sorry, your hypothalamic-pituitary-adrenal axis, your us HPA.
0: Not so smart people. What are, what are those words?
1: Yeah. Mean? So what happens is the body produces a lot of corticosteroids so a common one that we all sort of have heard about and all know about is your cortisol so that's sort of known as the stress hormone yep and what happens with that is that the body will secrete you know those hormones in response to a stress and then you'll get sort of things like increased heart rate and adrenaline levels stuff like that the body then um sort of secretes and produces to help you kind of cope with with the stress or the situation at hand so you know going back to if we were in the wild back in sort of evolutionary times you know being chased by a lion you need the adrenaline you need the increased heart rate because you need to run away or right
0: swimming in a, in a river in darwin
1: uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, you yeah. need to swim fast here <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the body sort of does that because it, it knows it needs to move it needs to sort of get away or cope with this right, in, in some capacity so that's that's great if you're in that sort of situation but, you know, if you're driving and you just got out of red light or, you know, someone's not texting you back or, you know Someone
0: unfollowed you
1: yeah, someone unfollowed <laughs> you on Instagram, you know, fire out Instagram, causing everybody yeah. to have stress. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, your boss is yelling at you. It's just something very, very minor that happens to us, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 times a day, unfortunately. Yes, it's tapping into
0: a lot as a the... system response and a whole oh. system. It's like, it's just tap, tap, tap. And that's where it takes its toll, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the, the fact that it's so... I think the magnitude of response that we have physiologically is is really high and the fact that in our lives today it's happening so many times per day is where we have the issue that we are then let running at this incredibly high baseline stress level and our perception of that you don't notice it so much yeah. but physiologically your body does because then it sort of becomes normal to live at this 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 high level of stress because those pathways are constantly firing that then the body has to adapt to try and live at that space. And that's where we start seeing, you know, depletion of your sort of magnesium, for example, yep. because that is a nutrient that the body needs to synthesise some of the sort of neurotransmitters and hormones to cope with those situations. So we do get then get depleted in in magnesium,
0: for example. Don't mind me going a little bit sidetracked here, but um, when I was first learning about supplementation and different things, um, I was learning about the difference between like citrates and malate magnesiums mm-hmm. and how one's better for central nervous system recovery than the other. Yeah. Have you had any research or heard anything about that?
1: Um, I think put super simply, um, for people to kind of understand that, is that the however the magnesium is supplemented, what it's put with is sort of how it's absorbed, yep. and so like that could be a citrate or an oxide. Um, and then the way that that's absorbed then can help the body easily use it for different different parts of okay, the body. Okay, that so makes I sense. That
0: yeah. So where it's absorbed in the body is that is that what you kind of get now um, or is it more so?
1: Yeah. Sort of where the body is able to absorb it and use it is based on kind of what it's put with.
0: Yes, um, that makes of, sense. Yeah.
1: For different systems, I think that yeah. would be it's a complex thing to explain yeah there's a lot um, going on <laughs> but i think that yeah. that that's a really sort of simple yeah. easy way to understand
0: Go to like a cellular level we could be here for a little while yeah we could you <laughs> yeah.
1: be here for a few hours and kind of be on the scope of the podcast but yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah,
0: like i said was a, a sidetrack there yeah but back to it like you said like stress when you tap into that 20 times a day deplete magnesium levels yeah um and uh, again not my area of expertise but um stress being what i've heard has been one of the biggest contributors to um Breaking down muscle tissue. Um, it, yes, it
1: yeah. can be. Um, so, stress actually is one of the highest risk factors for um, all non-communicable diseases. So, stress is actually related to pretty much every disease that you can't contagiously catch.
0: Yeah. Wow. There which is go. crazy. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. So, and the way that that works is, it pretty much because you're running all of these systems that we just spoke about. Your body is sort of under this kind of taxed, physiologically stressed out state all the time, and that does then run into your immune system. It runs into, you know, inflammatory conditions because it's just yeah, it's just pretty much not coping. Um, yeah. And then that puts us in a very vulnerable state, and we lose sort of um, the the ability to function normally, really.
0: Yeah. Um, And I suppose, like, when this is happening on a daily level, and if you're not supplementing sufficiently, well, first of all, I suppose if you're not testing regularly, and Mm. you're not not supplementing or eating correctly, I suppose would be the first thing, um, you wouldn't notice these things depleting your body, and you wouldn't notice that you're running on empty until it's too late, and then you've got a disease, or you've got an illness, you've got a virus, or something like that, or something's breaking down.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that, you know, a lot of people don't realise that they might be deficient in something until they start to get this deficiency sort of symptoms, like we see that a lot with iron, you know, with girls, they don't really realise that they might be sort of low iron or, you know, borderline iron deficient until they kind of are super fatigued all the time, and then they're like, oh, maybe I'll get my iron checked, and, you know, you get it checked and you're stage two anaemic, like, it's really bad, you know, That
0: would be more so coming from the, the monthly cycle as well, do you think?
1: Um, um, there are a multitude of ways that sort of people can lose iron. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, one of the most common ones is obviously blood loss. Um, so menstruation would be sort of one of the normal ways that we would lose blood. Um, also sort of red blood cell destruction. So anytime you do sort of any impacting activity, you can you know, effectively or literally destruct sort of red blood cells which releases iron. You um, say impact is you mean them. like
0: a physical exercise, resistance training or yeah yeah, yeah yeah.
1: So running is probably one of the major ways that that, that, that can happen. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah. Why yeah. is that? Why running?
1: Um because of the ground impact, consistent yeah, there you impact. Go. Yeah. 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 Um, which is really cool to yeah, very cool. understand yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it's not fun it's not a good thing is but the um, cells
0: are quite fragile on themselves or is that more so um
1: yeah it's it's yeah the sort of red blood cells turn over um and sort of just like your skin like it turns over so you might have like sort of older red blood cells or partially dying is it 90
0: days is it the life expectancy i can't remember of a
1: red blood cell yeah i actually don't know off the top of my head yeah i'm sorry so i remember
0: like when i was um Years ago, when I used to do uh, because I used to do a lot of boxing uh, yep. for like whoa, competitively for two years, but um, and I'd run a lot, um, run like 10Ks you know, every couple of days or something like that. Um, I used to hate running, by the way, yeah, um, but yeah, and I remember I was really low on iron because I, I just would not recover. And my doctor was like, Yeah, like every I think it could have been 90 days you said um, something like that about the red yeah, blood cell Yeah, do you know, it
1: wouldn't surprise me if it's 90 days, and it does sound about right. Yeah,
0: don't quote but, us, um, but yeah, yeah, don't quote me on that
1: one. Like, yeah, phone a different friend yeah. for that question. <laughs> I'm not the one for that one. Yeah. Yeah, don't use me as your 90-day lifeline. Like, I'm not sure. Um, but certainly red blood cells can become older and, and turn over and die, and those are usually the ones that get sort of distracted from impact. Um, which then because red blood cells are where we hold a lot of our iron, um, then you're distracting and you're losing the iron, obviously. Another one, which sort of kind of could have been contributing for you with the boxing is sweating. So yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Disgustingly. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And yeah, yeah, I don't know if you ever wore the s- sweatsuit. I did. I used to have to
0: drop weight. That's, that's the thing I used to hate about boxing, like, cause I naturally sit at about not like when I was younger she used to sit about 94-95 kilos yeah my fight weight was under I was about 89 oh. um, I just hate it, it was that's like, a oh, nasty
1: 5 on. kilos yeah, yeah and because
0: uh, my boxing coach or like you know old school boxing was very oh you just don't eat for a few days and then you sweat <laughs> and run and oh. then you hop on the ring and fight and it's like I was like this doesn't sound right I'm like so you're supposed to drop five kilos in a couple of days then hop in the ring and fight, and and fight like literally just fight to the death yeah it was like this doesn't sound right but when you're young and dumb you kind of just believe what someone tells you
1: no combat yeah. sports and I guess um weight weight categorized sports can be yeah. really brutal with when that. there's someone lack of healthy. knowledge <laughs> yeah, yeah when
0: there's lack of knowledge lack of regulation and lack of supervision I think too on what coaches are doing to their athletes because people die that way yeah absolutely um, correct
1: yeah. yeah and I think that you know yeah, a little bit off track but you're so right you know um a lot of the times you sort of see those coaches... Yeah, we just went way, tracking, way right? off track. Way off, that's totally fine. <laughs> we come back,
0: don't worry. <laughs> we'll come back. We'll come yeah. back to
1: sweating. Um, yeah, those kind of coaches are, you know, potentially not educated or just don't understand and they never out... Well, not never, I don't want to say never, but they don't frequently, I guess, outsource that to, you know, maybe a nutritionist or a dietitian yeah. or... Yeah. yeah, someone that can actually...
0: Who's you know, done years of research. ...healthily
1: on. help you cut weight. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, back to sweating. So sweating yeah. is another way that we can lose iron. Um, and that's just because... So just don't sweat? Well, you can sweat, but... <laughs> I mean, a bit.
0: It always feels great to sweat when you train, doesn't it? Oh, it does. Yeah, it makes yeah. you feel
1: like you've definitely worked harder. Just, yeah. yeah. It's a psychological thing, yeah. but the um, iron stores are right near the sweat glands, so that can sort of distract. Oh, okay. Yeah, we well, not all of the iron stores, but there are sort of iron stores right near the sweat glands, um, okay. Didn't know that. and that can distract when you're having too much. So there's, yeah, there's three three sort of super common ways, Yeah. Um, but yes, so I think with iron, you know, because we lose so much iron, especially as, you know, females, athletes, Athletic people, anyone that's sort of recreationally lifting, um, yeah, anyone active really, you lose iron so so much that it's really important to make sure you're consuming it um, from food, Um, especially yeah, because with iron you have sort of two high types of iron. You'd be pretty familiar with this yourself, Cash, but you've got heme and non-heme. So yep. animal animal iron yeah. and then you know your plant-based sort of sources and the plant-based sources, which your non-heme is very, a lot lower in sort of absorbability.
0: It's like your beans, your legumes, yeah. Your, yeah.
1: Anything like a leafy green, anything like that, the body can't sort of absorb that and then use that directly. Uh, unfortunately so yeah I guess your plant-based sources are really I mean your animal based sources are super super important there and making sure you're kind of having those a couple of times a day is really important especially for sort of active females yeah, yeah sure
0: and um, God, I can't remember who did this study or corrected it but I remember at one stage and I could be completely wrong on this so don't quote me on this but where it was about the amount of iron in spinach, uh, or was believed to be sufficient to red meat um, for some period of time, and they realised that the original study was done in German, and when they translated to English, they missed out a decimal point. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so for years in uh, general um, education, it was believed that you know that was this much was in spinach, and so when we reback when back and tested, retested, they're like, well, this is way off.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're a lot off. Yeah,
0: yeah it's like it's about three zeros past the decimal point off. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's a, it's an interesting mistake to have made actually. Yeah, hmm.
0: yeah. Again, this is probably dating back to, you know, fifty years ago when they first did it, but um it's it's amazing like how even in research, the people doing the uh the work behind it, you've got to be so careful you know, like to constantly, uh, like again, you haven't experienced in this, but how you gotta just make sure you double check or triple check your know, what you've written or what you what results you've got, and then go back over and make sure it's right. Because even then, it's like you can human error comes into play, right?
1: Oh, completely. Like there are so many things that we have to control for in in our research, just to sort of mitigate. Yeah, li- literally little little things that could make error. So whether yeah. or not there, that there's a dot
0: there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
1: Human error is one of the biggest problems. So you've got like your sort of um, methodological error that can come into it, um, your testing sort of error. So any any method that you might use that might have error. So example, really good example is you know skin folds versus maybe a DEXA. Yeah. Like just Big the measurement error is yeah. is a vastly different to the point where in a research study you probably wouldn't use skin folds to measure body fat percentage because yeah. there's so much error within that measure.
0: Yeah, like the yeah. precise measurement of exactly where it needs to be every single time it can be off by a mill to the left or right, and that can throw out a
1: difference. That can skew the you know, data extraordinarily, yeah. and that's, that's a, merely a human error. Yeah. Um, but then within the measurement itself, it's got so many sort of potential errors and... Exactly, yeah. yeah. Var- ...variants in there, which is... Yeah. You know, it's a it's a skin folds are a great measure. I use them professionally, sort of. Anyway, yeah, me too.
0: Yeah, like a, it's it's a, it's a lot more affordable than um uh, getting a dexa every week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, one thing that we can, we can just and have time them in consuming the gym. too. Yeah, yeah, super quick, easy to do. So I'm
0: just go get a dexa back in my like canal.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every week. Yeah, like, exactly. Do you mind going and spending three hundred dollars and yeah. just getting yourself a of this week? Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. So. But then for things
0: Radiation. Like sorry. No, sorry. sorry, just... Yeah, radiation. Just yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and then, you know, but then for research, it's like, you know, we really do need to use that DEXA because it's the gold standard that we have at the moment yes. and it needs to be done for the research. Otherwise, it's not going to be sort of as... You guys have one, don't you? We do. Yes. We have, yeah. yeah, we have Is actually... There's
0: only two and three. Three in Perth. Is that right?
1: Uh, There's mm. quite a few now. Okay. Good. Um, yeah. yeah, for example, like we... I mean, there's one in my department, um, which is very cool. Yeah, that's and so cool. <laughs> just by <our little laughs>
0: you guys saying no, I've just got one room.
1: Yeah, two <laughs> down. Yeah. Um, and then there's two. There, there's three at Edith Cowan University. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, a couple over. I'm not cheap? Not <laughs> no. cheap. No, a couple over at um at Lakeland at the West Coast Eagles. Um, yeah. And there's a few others. I think Curtin have one too. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah,
0: you just go to the resort medical and, <laughs> and Cottesloe to get one.
1: Yeah, all the all those sort I don't of
0: don't fit on it very well. They are going to like try and wrap me up. Really, really oh, you're tight. joking! Yeah, because I'm like I usually hang over by that much. I'm like, I don't know, oh. they should kill it there somewhere.
1: The <laughs> one at um the one at Life Lane's huge, just for future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What
0: about you some can... Lanes? What's
1: that? Oh, at the West Coast Eagles. You could you okay. could bring up the yeah. Eagles and just find out whether or not they could. Dexy, you can. yeah, that
0: yeah, it makes sense because they're big dudes, so. yeah, 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 yeah no, it's pretty big. Cool. Um, so I wouldn't yeah. go
1: in there when they first got that. I was sort of involved in the testing and calibrating of it, so that's
0: so cool. Yeah,
1: it was really cool. I had yeah. like five dexes in a day, though. Oh, I kind of went home all like fluorescent, green, yeah. and radiated. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm <Love> joking. <laughs> um, I was like, because last time I got one done, I was 99.6 kilos of lean muscle mass, and I was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> I am like 100 kilos lean my stomach like that's a good goal that's
1: not, was, bad. Yeah, and, like, not bad yeah not bad at all I was hanging off, off
0: a bit and I was like oh, it's just
1: <laughs> you're like it, 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 the size of the like, table in, in I the, mean in like... my
0: mind I was like I made it <laughs> 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 love it sorry we got way off tracking that's um, so what happens you do a podcast for ADHD kid no. uh, where were we at so we're talking about the research and data and how important DEXs are like um, if we're looking at comparing data and like accurate measurements
1: absolutely yeah. i think anytime that you are comparing something and assessing for kind of causality or you know correlation association anything like that as rigid as you can sort of be is the best way because then you sort of you're narrowing all sort of potential confounding factors and just making sure that what you're looking at is an actual relationship with what you're trying to seek so like the outcome yeah. and the factors that you're putting in with that so that that's sort of how research works so you know does a cause b and yeah. mitigating everything that can come within that and sort of jade what we're actually trying to look at so
0: love that and like in your field how hard is that to get like a cause of b like to get that clear path between something
1: yeah it's really difficult for yeah. sure yeah, yeah absolutely so that that comes into sort of research design and Yes, kind of all of the long, boring, hard things that we have to deal yeah, with. Yeah, waiting for um,
0: results to come back. Absolutely, all those. The bloods and.
1: Yeah, finding the
0: test subjects and keeping them.
1: Keeping them the same and yeah. things like that, yeah. So, so many can,
0: variables because one person can miss. Sorry, don't interrupt you, no. interrupted. Like they can miss like that one meal and it's like, do you eat meals? Like, yeah. It's like,
1: no, you didn't. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That, and then, then unfortunately, that isn't usable because we can't then. Be sure that A has caused B because that person has you know potentially missed that meal like that actually happened to me with my study I had um so my recent study is looking at intermittent fasting which um and we're looking at the effect on sort of inflammation and immune responses and how the f- human body sort of responds to intermittent fasting and um I had a participant come in and he came in for dinner and it was his first first visit so the people that I did had to do it three times and it was his first visit and we're sort of just going over the formalities, he had seen the forms a few times, signed all the forms um, and we were just kind of discussing the study and I was, you know, verbalising to him how important it was that he didn't have anything between finishing the dinner meal that I fed him, which was mac and cheese. Um, oh yeah, so you know.
0: Feel free to bring me mac and cheese anytime.
1: Absolutely, I mean <laughs> not that it's was it was, for
0: science. Yeah, do it for
1: science, all science. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I just sort of was very much like, you know, once you finish your mac and cheese, it's water only. Um, I need to test you fasted in the morning, take your bloods, and then yeah, you come back at lunchtime and I'll feed you again at lunchtime, kind of yeah. thing. Like very simple, don't eat. You know, no, no coffee, nothing. Like just water. Yep, yep. Fine, fine. And um, comes in and tells me how amazing his breakfast bagel was, and I'm thinking, like, did just, you
0: miss the whole point,
1: bro? Like,
0: <laughs> bro, <laughs> <laughs> it, I was just imagine, bro,
1: intermittent fasting. Like, please fast. Like, like key right, words
0: dude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was horrible because I had to get the nurse in, and yeah, a whole bunch of people were there that day, and had to be there and yeah he comes in and he's just boasting about his you know blueberry bagel and we're all thinking wrong day like (laughs) couldn't have waited yeah Um, but yeah so that happens a lot you know yeah Yeah, one more hour yeah that's (laughs) it
0: that's all it took (laughs) um, uh, yeah going back to intermittent fasting The first time we tried to do this, uh, we'd record the podcast and then I messed it up and I went to go save it, ignore that bit. Um, We're talking about like (laughs) intermittent fasting and like how it's claims to be, uh, there's little claims around what it can do and benefits and that's where your research was leaning towards was uh, I suppose debunking in a way, I don't know if that's a word you'd use, like the, the myths around what people claim things do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there are a lot of claims um, on intermittent fasting and sort of a lot of health outcomes. So a lot of the, it's, it's sort of two part, a lot of the claims around intermittent fasting. So a lot of people use it sort of as a weight loss method, um, which it can be effective because quite literally it reduces the window of feeding each day. So, you know, technically, if we sort of shorten your time allowed to eat, Hypothetically speaking, you're probably gonna eat less, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, challenge accepted. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Um Three but pieces later. Exactly. Yeah. How fast can I eat four pieces? <laughs> <laughs> I've got two hours. Um, <laughs> but, um, um but yeah, like most people then sort of reduce their total caloric intake, so then that that, that will result in weight loss, right? Yeah. Fairly simple. Um but then the other sort of side of it is it's sort of been claimed to have a lot of health benefits, whether they be kind of cardiovascular, sort of metabolic profile, so sort of lowering of that like um, LDL cholesterol, um, and yeah, sort of a lot of benefits, even sort of claiming to be sort of anti-inflammatory. Reducing stress as well, things like reducing that. Reducing oxidative yep. stress, um, stuff like that. So now a lot of those are actually backed up. So, which is great to, to know. Um, a lot of the benefits on cardiovascular health and sort of metabolic profiles and even um, insulin responses for people that are kind of got obesity and pre- pre-diabetic and um, insulin resistance, that kind of thing, they're actually quite well backed up. And, yeah, it does, it does work for that. Um, but then some of the inflammatory sort of stuff was a little bit gray in terms of the response okay yeah yeah Yeah. and also um just a little bit conflicting you know we had one study saying it was really good and then another study saying it was sort of not much and then another study saying that potentially it wasn't so good for anti-inflammatory purposes so we thought well why not well let's have a look again have another look um check it out and the way we did that was we did it over a different sort of more extended period so a lot of the studies that we looked at were sort of showing that 16 hour fast um and then some of them up to kind of a 20 hour fast and then we can you imagine (laughs) that's grueling i've
0: done it before i've done a full 24 hour fast i i I hated life (laughs) yeah yeah
1: absolutely so sort of the up to kind of the 18 to twenty four to twenty hour fasts are more referring to what we call time restricted feeding, um, which is I guess what is more so used sort of in our world um, with people trying to lose weight and improve health. But then there's also your whole day and alternate day fasting. So where someone may fast for a whole day, so a whole twenty four hours. So then you know they're not going to eat Friday. Um, Or every second day they won't eat, which I find just phenomenal that someone would would do that or could could sustain that. It's such a
0: high and low of energy imbalance. It's crazy. Yeah. Again, I I just think from a performance perspective, it's like, cool, I want to perform at my best at my job, around my family, relationships, training if you're training. Um, How am I going to maintain that same intensity every second day? It's like, Mm -hmm. I don't see that being plausible
1: it it doesn't it doesn't seem plausible or sustainable to me
0: yeah
1: uh at all practically um so i think that that is sort of one of the major factors in why potentially it is does doesn't maybe maybe may not work yeah um because i guess you know nothing can be effective if you don't do it so that's one of the problems um but then yeah more so in that time restricted. Window, there's a lot of different protocols, so we're sort of starting to see that as potentially why it's not working or why it is working as one of the maybe those factors. So we thought, well, let's control for that. Let's just do an 18 hour fast um, right in the middle of that 16 and that 20 hour window, and really control for that factor. And then we also sort of thought, well, let's let's break the fast differently. So the way my study was designed was it was designed to do the 18-hour fast and then break the fast with a single macronutrient. So we did three groups, a protein a protein group, a fat group, and a
0: carbohydrate group. Yeah. That was mac and cheese,
1: was it? Or mac no, and that? cheese was the dinner, so that okay, was yeah. sort of a mixed meal.
0: Yeah, because that would be fats and carbs, not Yeah, fats, yeah.
1: carbs, protein, a little yeah. bit of protein. Yeah. Um, And then sort of that single nutrient to break the fast and whether or not each of those nutrients had a difference in effect on sort of physiological stress, oxidative stress and, you know, inflammatory kind of conditions and a few metabolic markers as well. And whether or not that that differed between groups. Um, So that was sort of the study design. Now, I'm not going to allude to anything because we're nearly finished.
0: Yeah, you can't say just um, yet. can't say just no.
1: yet. You guys are just going to have to wait a little bit longer.
0: Wait for the second part later in the year. Yeah,
1: part two. Yeah. It'll be probably two months Technically away. Technically part
0: four. Yeah, part four.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take five. Um, yeah. yeah, so that will be coming out really, really soon. But we have certainly seen some very interesting results there that sort of um, may not have been seen quite the same before. So... Pretty interesting, so I actually can't wait to share that one. So that would be really
0: cool. Love it. That's really cool. I suppose that kind of caps off what we're talking about in ways of, um, you know, uh, what your what your last few months have been dedicated towards yeah, in ways absolutely. of research. Um, what do you think the future is for your research? Future for
1: my research? Yeah. What do you got
0: next one? Because I'm sure you've got because you are, you know, you have got a scientific brain or very logical uh, interested. Um, what's I'm trying to think of the word, but um, I'm trying to think of the word to describe that. Like um, exploring, trying to think of the word, but you're searching, yeah, 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 thirsty for 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 knowledge, I suppose is a way to put it. Uh, So, what is the next step for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I think that um, for me, one of my major passions is sort of how nutrients have an impact on our health, and how sort of different consuming different nutrients and consuming different foods that have those nutrients can impact. Sort of health to improve quality of life, um, and potentially things that people struggle with. And a very soft spot in my heart is sort of female health yeah. and a lot of the issues that females deal with, whether or not that be sort of menstrual stuff, things through the life cycle, be it
0: contraception, things like that. Yeah, well, salt. even
1: um, yeah, and yeah, contraceptives and the impact that that has on female hormones and female health outcomes, but also um, you know just different life phases. So. You know, perioral phases into sort of all the way through to kind of menopause and yeah. even postmenopause. Um, a lot of the different things that women go through in their lives and the way our physiology changes through different life phases has a massive requirement for literature yeah. and a massive requirement for ways that we can aid that from a nutritional perspective.
0: Wow. It's really cool because I suppose, like, you know, as a male, would would think about that, but you go through so many different phases as a female yeah. and changes in the body. So you'd go, obviously, through um, what well, the first phase would be called with a young child, yeah. ad-
1: ad- adolescent, yeah, pre adolescent, and, and then
0: teens and puberty, and go through, Yeah, yeah, and then you go through your yeah. menstrual. Menstrual phases, is that
1: what we Men's, call it. Yeah. yeah, like the onset of menzies and, um, yeah, all the way through... To
0: menopause and then... To menopause and,
1: and a lot of the time, you know, for females, through their different phases, they have a lot of things going on, you know, whether or not that that is, you know, um, taking contraceptives in that sort of, you know, t- 20s and 30s phase and that the impact that that might have on someone's health and their hormones and their sort of body regulations and how that impacts even things like training and you know, um, body weight and yeah. other health outcomes that a lot of females really, really struggle with things like complications within that. So, you know, uh, PCOS, like how common is PCOS? So common.
0: Yeah, it's extraordinarily
1: crazy. common, yeah. um, conditions like endometriosis and yeah. yeah, even just issues that women have with that. And even, um, Pre- premenstrual syndrome, so P- PMS, like most yeah. women struggle with that a lot. But there are yeah. actually things that we can do. You've taken the
0: brute force of that before. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> definitely.
0: Usually, usually, I have it in my diary yeah. <laughs> like a week before. I have like a alarm like, going off, I'm like, this like. Alert! Is going to be you're going to have to be on your toes this week. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a client this morning. She was uh "Is um, she was, uh on a um cycle and uh, she's like." God, this is so effing hairy
1: today. I was like,
0: it's that time, isn't it? She's like, yes. I was like, I'm going to put this in my diary four weeks' time. Yeah, four weeks' time. I'm going to be very
1: much aware of this. you going
0: to drop that like, intensity. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But, you
1: know, the thing that females are not a lot of the time told is that there are ways that we can aid in those symptoms and the way that women feel to make that better just through nutrition. Um, and that's not something that's publicised nor probably research or understood as well as it should be. Is
0: that because a lot of research is a male? Or
1: um,
0: well, the focus is on, like, the whole population instead of the split? Uh,
1: it's a lot of the... Look, I think it's due to a multitude of factors. The reason that a lot of the time research is in males is because we don't have to control for the menstrual cycle. So um, with research, sort of, as I was saying before, you need to control all factors to make sure, kind of, your confounding variables don't affect the main thing that you're trying to observe yeah, so sure. with females with the menstrual cycle we have a lot of hormonal and physiological changes um, on a week-to-week basis with our menstrual cycle so a lot of the time the best time to look at um, things in females that are not related to the menstrual cycle are is that luteal phase but you can luteal phase is yeah that the luteal called? phase what is that
0: sorry don't
1: know that one. Oh, uh, so the sort of that's the menstrual cycle phases. So you have your luteal and your follicular phase. Ah, that makes sense. Then. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. As well as sort of that.
0: I should um, really know this. The
1: ovulation <laughs> yeah. and the yeah the menstrual sort of cycle phase are the week of yep. Yep. Yeah. Um. So menstruation, rather. So Yeah. <laughs> that's a short
0: that's short term, isn't it? Like yeah, short. Yeah, okay. Yeah. so Yeah. Maybe else.
1: Um. Yeah. So. To, to control that that takes a lot you know you have to monitor the every woman's cycle and when you've got you know yeah. 30 women in a study like making sure everyone's in the exact phase of the yeah, exact day yeah sure
0: because you can do like a group study at the same time like it's a nightmare yeah. it's
1: really it's a it's a lot to control for whereas men you like okay mate come in next Line wednesday up. do you know all what you i mean like, it's, <laughs> yeah all of you at yeah. the same time like everybody come in on the same day it's really easy yeah. um so that's why that's used a lot Um, And then the other issue... um, Oh, I've got off track here. Um, Yeah, and then sort of the other issue is that, you know, not an issue, but I think modern medicine and the funding for research, a lot of it will come from developing medicines and developing medication as opposed to potentially putting that same amount of funding into studying, you know, food for
0: optimising health so you don't need medicine yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and you know we could go into sort of well not that you don't need it I mean like
0: uh, making sure a person's healthy in order to minimise the risk of having certain things happen where they need medicine
1: I suppose absolutely right, like, put it. Yeah. yeah so that's sort of where my kind of heart lies like if you can make a symptom a lot better or you can make you can I guess aid in an issue or treat an issue or even prevent an issue even better with kind of nutrition as opposed to you know, putting a Band-Aid pharmaceutical on it, yeah, yeah. that that would be a better outcome, in my opinion. Um, or even reducing kind of dependence on pharmacy um, Yeah, 100% yeah, because products, but each um,
0: pharmaceutical in its own right has a tendency to deplete the body of certain nutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I wouldn't know exactly the amounts of each one, not yeah. that smart, but from the limited amount of reading I've done in different areas is that, you know, uh, say, for example, anti-inflammatory uh, medications and how much that affects uh, the gut and your ability to absorb nutrients through the gut from mm-hmm. that being having for whatever reason has a harsh i wouldn't know exactly why but has harsh impact on the gut antibiotics Absolutely. is another example so you know if you're running if you're constantly getting sick and you're running courses of course of antibiotics or you've got inflammation and you're using inflammation anti-inflammatories to treat it that's going to have a massive impact on nutrient levels and the way you absorb nutrients too yeah yeah, yeah.
1: and even the gut microbiome you know that that is correlated with the human immune system extraordinarily. It's one of the main sort of um, parts of the human immune yeah. system. So when you're stripping the gut microbiome or damaging it in any way and making it less diverse, then you're going to have an adverse sort of immune response down the track from yeah. that. So, yeah, it's very... All of these kind of factors are really important to consider and understand. Um, so I think for me, future research-wise, like I definitely want to look at sort of more nutrient-based ways of treating and aiding in sort of female health and in any health outcomes so yeah that's sort of yeah really interesting how the body works and how that that can yeah help so that's where I want to go with my research
0: love it yeah. I mean that may have taken us 20 minutes to get there long roundabout way with that but but I think that's what makes a good chat on a podcast too yeah. like yeah you know, we just you dive off from different topics yeah just going straight to the point. Um, yeah. So. If we go off to the next topic, I reckon uh, we're talking about what you've previously done, where you're going, um, and do you want to give a bit about, like, just tell listeners a bit about what you currently do in ways of, like, what you work, because you work at Team Ecto, yes. um, you help people with their nutrition, um, so let's go into that a bit.
1: Yeah, so my work, um, I work for a company called Team Ecto that's here in Perth, um, and I work online through them, so I work with a multitude of clients, um, for pretty much any any outcome, any goal that you may have. Um, so I work with both males and females, some people for kind of body composition outcomes, be that you know fat loss or muscle gain, um, or even just optimizing their body composition. So we, I work with people for that. I also work quite a lot with people for their health. So I have <clears throat> quite a broad sort of range of clientele for health outcomes, be that. I guess a lot of the things that we've discussed, whether or not they're sort of um, immune conditions or um, sort of like anything related to like an inflammatory thing. Um, I have a lot of clients that are females with maybe PCOS or just even female related issues. Um, And then even just, you know, most of the time it's just people that want to improve their health in any, any which way that that sort of be and oftentimes that's something that we can just we can work with a few very simple changes and people improve their health dramatically so that's a massive part of my work just yeah your everyday person wanting to improve their health um and then we also well i also work with some athletes as well for kind of performance related outcomes which is yeah another pretty passionate area of mine as well so it's really nice to have bit of
0: a diverse kind of work, work place. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, you know, from the, the total opposite ends of the spectrum. And um, before we actually start the podcast, we're talking about like, you know, like the type of person you need to be in order to work with different people as well. And yes. like how important that is. Like as much as you have the knowledge, you know how to relate it to people. It's how you how you educate each person individually because each person takes it on more differently. Absolutely. You find you get that um, quite a bit in
1: what you do. Yeah, completely. And I think that for me, when you have, when you're working with a person, you should always try to help them understand what you're doing as well as sort of assisting them to have a better way of doing it so it's not just about you know coaching is not just about saying yeah this is what you should do here go away do this it'll make you better it's sort of helping people understand you know what they should be doing how many times per week they should be exercising for their goal and why and what they could be eating or should be eating that would make things better and and why that that's making it better because I think that if you educate someone then they are growing their Knowledge and their capacity to help themselves long term, yeah, life know? skills,
0: right? Absolutely, yeah,
1: yeah. it comes back to that saying it's I'm, gonna hear
0: some cops on the podcast. Just yeah. a few
1: police going past them, yeah. they're not going to, the to cash. University. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you, you can give a kid a fish and they'll eat a meal, or you can teach them how to catch one and they'll never go hungry, you
0: yeah. Know?
1: Um, so yeah, it's really important to do that, and I think also just the way that you communicate and speak to different clients and how you portray information and just even just talking to them is going to have to differ between people because everybody is different. Everybody's a different human. So that's very important um, when talking to people as well. And I think, I don't know if you have many coaches on your podcast listening, but I think that anyone that is a coach, personal trainer, anything like that, anyone aspiring to be, um, definitely really take some time to reflect internally and how you are as a human and how you communicate and then just give yourself some hypothetical kind of case studies in your head and think about how those people, you know, would best on-take information and on-take your your assistance. Um, yeah. Even if you find your family and just talk to your mum and your dad and you'll realise that talking to the two people is different just because they're two people, you know. 100 yeah.
0: yeah. And like... Uh, I suppose the amazing thing with having such a, I wouldn't say the word overcrowded, but having so many knowledgeable people in the industry Mm. um, is that there's so many personalities you can work with and there's so many different types of coaches and different types of personalities um, all very knowledgeable in their own right. Um, And I always say to people, look like, I might not be the right person for you because I'm a very particular personality. I only work with, like, certain types of people that can handle me being very blunt and direct at times, but also high energy. And, like, not everyone likes that. Some people like a uh, And, like, as much as I can tone it down at times, I still tell people what they need to hear. And not everyone likes that. You know, I'm mean, not saying that other people don't, but what I mean is that some people like to be told things in a certain way. And that's not generally the way I'd say things. Yeah. So I'm like, there might be someone better for you who has, who can teach you what you need to know in a way that you can understand it better because that's not what I can do absolutely
1: yeah yeah. and I think that we have you know as you say every human is so extremely different and I think that if you are seeking a coach or personal trainer you really need to find one that just aligns with you and that you feel like you can be extraordinarily honest with and open to and just that you get on with personally because that's going to be a massive limiting factor to you and your own results and how you feel with your coach if you can't be super super open and just communicate with them yeah very effectively that's a huge deal and also you know for coaches work on having multiple ways of speaking to a person because you that's a tool you're really going to need to use um, as a coach yeah
0: yeah yeah 100% like as an example, I've got clients I uh, know every single detail of their life. Sometimes a bit too much, but I like it really is never too much because the more information I have about someone, the more I can help them. Excellent. And when someone sits there, they're like, Yeah, yeah, no, everything's going good. I'm like, I can clearly see it's not going good, but I'm also not going to pry more because this is all you're going to give me. Yeah. And it's like, so knowing those boundaries too, because people have boundaries or they have walls because it might be insecurities or it might be they've been burnt or they've you know, had things happen where they are a bit more. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like, they've got those barriers up. Yeah,
1: intro- maybe introverted or yeah, more um, introverted. Yeah, for and, whatever <laughs> like, reason.
0: Funny thing is, I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm quite extroverted, but I get a lot of introverted clients. So yeah. learning how to let those people come out and be them is, mm-hmm. uh, is, a, is a thing that is a skill in itself. Yeah. Let them learn to be comfortable around you. And like, if you haven't seen me, I'm slightly above average size. So I'm like... Uh, it's a bit scary looking sometimes it's got tattoos here and there Fair um well. yeah. yeah
1: people look and they're like you know what i don't want to be vulnerable right now <laughs> yeah exactly
0: like for some because i train a like of females too it's like i get uh i get those clients that it takes it can take a couple months which sounds like a long time it takes a couple months for them to be that fully vulnerable and open and be able to give you give me the information i need to help them get the result yeah. um and once they get there i'm just like thank you i'm like you're trusting me now you're trusting the process look at how like they make leaps and bounds once i get to that stage so i suppose if you are listening you are a client or you're thinking of being a client and you're looking at your coach is um learn to trust the process make the make sure the personalities match um yeah
1: definitely yeah yeah use your intuition when you sort of are finding a coach just make sure you yeah i guess like it sounds a little bit sort of
0: Cliche maybe, yeah, cliche or, yeah. a little bit,
1: but just trust trust yourself, trust your trust your trust your gut, trust your gut, trust yeah. your feelings. You know, um, right. if you feel really comfortable with someone and like they really, I guess, align with you, and you feel like you can trust them, then you know, do that and throw yourself into that, and trust that that person is a professional, that their best interest is to help you. And, yeah, yeah, just listen to them and yeah. make sure you're being open, um, and make sure that they're listening to you as well. So. Yeah, coaches yes. actively listen, don't listen to respond, listen to hear and to understand, Yes. Um, because your clients will benefit from that. Massively.
0: Yeah, big time, yeah. yeah. Um, How are we going on time, are you going okay for time?
1: Yes, I'm good. Yeah, cool,
0: you. awesome, yeah, there's no watch there.
1: There, there so is. <laughs> <laughs> no, Such it. a natural yeah. response, yeah, like look at my wrist, oh I don't yes, have a watch. This jacket, that
0: tells me everything I need to know. Yeah, though. I'm
1: good, <laughs> I got nowhere
0: to be. Oh, love it, um, I was gonna say is, your past war in fitness was competing, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, so yeah. I started out, I did, um, oh, I've done a lot of things. So I did um, a few years of bikini competitions through um, the ICN, which is just a natural federation here in WA, or yeah. here in Australia. Um, and it's yeah. It's worldwide,
0: isn't it? Um,
1: uh, it is, yes, yes. Yeah. So there, it's, it's international, um, but I think it's one of sort of the main ones here in Australia. Yes. So yeah, yeah I competed for three years through the ICN um, and... Yeah, did quite well and just really enjoyed that. A pro. No, I didn't no. go pro. Um, you won quite a few
0: shows, then, didn't you?
1: I won quite a few yeah. shows here in WA. Yeah, um, and then I went to <laughs> yeah. um, like the worlds in two thousand and nineteen. So that was quite an ex- extraordinary experience for me. Um, it would have been about
0: twenty nineteen. I was 20- you're twenty-two now. I was
1: twenty. I was twenty. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Um. So that was a lot of fun, and especially to compete as a junior. Like, yeah, it was just really enjoyable, and it was something that I sort of just did for myself, and yeah, just, just it was fun. Yeah. I don't um, don't think I'd go back to it. Not that you know, not that I had a bad experience. I had a great experience.
0: Time-consuming. Energy, Time-consuming, yeah.
1: energy-consuming. Also, just um. Yeah, I just think you, you change as a person and um, I guess your goals change and- um, yeah. yeah. Once you've
0: done something, it's like, ah, cool. Like, yeah, you don't have that, to- Yeah, did that,
1: picked it off. you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I sure. I think
0: people in this day and age get so caught up with doing one thing I think they have to do it forever Yeah. clients like oh you know I did powerlifting so that's all I have to I'm like well you can change your goals
1: yeah you definitely don't have to identify with your goals yeah yeah, that's for sure yeah
0: like you can take something off and go cool what's
1: next try that
0: yeah you don't have to go back to that and try to do something exactly like that every time you can you know life is full of variety and if you if you accept that life is full of variety you can have a lot of variety in your life and I think variety comes in a lot with fulfillment too where if you're you know there's a Uh, Science to achievement in a sense, but there's also an art to being fulfilled. So I'm saying that is what you go through when you compete in different things. For sure. Yeah.
1: And I think also some people stick with things um, to feed, I guess, one of the human needs, which is consistency and certainty. Yeah, Um, certainty. How many people base
0: their whole life off that? And it's like you live in such a rigid, rigid lifestyle, I suppose, in a way under that mindset that... It's very easy for if one thing goes wrong, your whole world falls apart. And it's mm. like you know, you could never, you could never fully get the most out of your life if you're living for ultimate certainty.
1: Absolutely, uh, you couldn't
0: ever be in new relationships. You couldn't be in new business ventures. You couldn't even make new friends because you wouldn't know what it's like. Um, you couldn't go down that path right yeah. Yeah.
1: definitely like biggest take home take a risk and try something new
0: yeah That's this is sure. so far from nutrition but overall <laughs> health and performance podcast it's a holistic, yeah, yeah.
1: holistic approach yes, yeah. yeah
0: mindset like mindset comes down a lot to what you do and when we're talking about goals and competing um, which will come back to my question yeah. about you competing. But when you come back to it and you set these goals, it's like you've got to have that realistic expectation of what you expect out of yourself. And, like, um, this comes into my question now. Mm. Coming uh, back to it. Um, is what is your message to young aspiring athletes who want to compete? Um, mm. And what are some things that uh, you learned along the way that you want to pass on?
1: Ooh, I learned a lot from, I guess, my competitive journey, my years doing that. Okay. Um, maybe
0: top three, maybe?
1: Top three things to think about if you want to compete firstly get yourself a really good coach that you trust um, and make sure that you sort of put the time in before you compete now people think that competing is going to be like a 12 week or a 16 week sort of prep um that's the sort of glorified 12 weeks that you see but you should really be putting in like at least twelve months with a coach before yeah, that prep. For sure. Yeah. Um, and your prep should never be twelve or sixteen weeks. It should be, you know, upwards of twenty four to thirty five weeks sort of prep period. Especially um, for that
0: muscle mass.
1: Well, even just in a pre prep sort of phase, like yeah. yeah, that muscle mass period should be really like the twelve months before that twenty five mm. weeks. So in like in my opinion. Um, so yeah, definitely get a coach like a good 18 months before you want to compete and work with them. Um, that's probably the most healthy way of doing that. Definitely don't hire a coach that says that they can get you on stage in 12 weeks Yeah. Um, because they're yeah. going to make you very unhealthy in that 12-week period.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so that would be tip number one. Get a good coach and put the time in. Um, tip number two, make sure that your life is in a place where it's really ready for that and set up for it because there's going to be a lot of... Um, sacrifice that you put into that because contest prep of that type or like I guess any sport that you're doing extraordinarily competitive it it's very time consuming and it'll take from other areas of your life you'll find you'll have less less social time and less um, capacity to kind of give to other things because you'll be spending a lot of time in the gym and you know yeah just it's, it's time consuming and you know during prep you'll feel tired it's a very big goal being an athlete Um, So make sure that you're okay with that. It's not a negative thing, but just to be conscious of it, that would be tip two. And I guess tip number three is just go in with no expectations and really enjoy it because it can be extremely enjoyable if you're doing it for you and you kind of take it as a learning experience and an enjoyable experience. And then from there, if you want to continue to do it and sort of do it as a really competitive sport then go from there and really do that but definitely for the first time just go in with no expectations and just try to be the best that you can be these
0: are my favorite tips listening to anyone anyone anytime i of asking anyone that question who's computer, I think yeah. that's my favorite that's pretty cool oh
1: good yeah. I'm glad I answered <laughs> that one well. Then
0: yeah no it's good like just because you know I get a lot of girls who want to and kind of similar to what I say is you know it, well, one of the things I say is, you know, you I've been coaching you for a while. This is probably mm. going to cost you, you know, well over ten thousand dollars worth of just coaching. Expense, so yeah. be aware of that. Mm. Um, that it is a large financial cost. Uh, if yeah. you want a good coach, it's going to cost you money. Um, yeah. Don't so, be afraid
1: to f- pay for a coach. It's going to cost you money. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can,
0: you know, get someone that charges half my rate or you know half someone else's rate, but is the result going to be as good? Probably not. Like, you got to look at you got to look at that investment um, into yourself, and then the second part was what you talking about doing it for the right. Sorry, was it the right reasons or it the second Doing part? it for the. Oh,
1: the second one was be like okay with the sacrifice. Oh yeah, the
0: sacrifice. For, yeah. yeah. Willing to sacrifice your, you know, your social, your social life, eating out with your partner, you know, four or five times a week, yeah. or like, you know, going to family occasions and dinners and drinking wine every night. It's like. If you, you know, want to stay up and go and party every weekend, it's like, kiss that all goodbye, because if you really want this goal, it's going to take you to give up those things, um, you know, within a healthier amount. To
1: achieve to, that. To achieve yeah. that goal. If you've
0: got a big goal, it takes a big sacrifice. Yeah, and it's not yeah. to
1: say, you know, you won't you, you won't be eating. Like, I, I hope that you don't, you know, people don't get a coach that sort of takes away all their food, because that's certainly yeah. not the way to deal with a comp prep in the best sort of way. Um, but it just means that, you know, you might be going to a family dinner and, you know, having to have brought your own food, yeah, or exactly. you know, yeah. eat certain things, and yeah, those kind of things. Yeah, you're as hanging out friends,
0: you're like you've got your own food. Yeah, you yeah. know,
1: can we go to a certain restaurant or those sort of things? That's that's yeah. okay, but just yeah, be aware that there will have to be some change.
0: Yeah, and you can't please people in that state. No, you can't be a people pleaser. If you if you really want to go into it, you have to be selfish in a way.
1: It's a very selfish sport. Yeah.
0: Yeah, hundred yeah, um, percent. And then the third one. God, what was that now? Just do it for you, do it for the right reasons. Yeah, yeah, don't do it to try to prove someone wrong. Like, it's not, that's really the wrong reason to do it. you got to do it to, um, you yeah, know, it might be yourself trying to prove it wrong, whatever it is, but if you're doing it for external factors, you're going to you're gonna put yourself in a bad mental state because times get tough. And when it gets tough, you got to call, the only person you can call on is you, and if you're a good coach. Um, yeah. yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah,
1: that's cool. I think that's a bit
0: of a wrap-up. What do you reckon? Yeah,
1: no, good. That was well, good. Because I, I think we went you know, a little bit off topic and yeah. down the rabbit hole and then back, back out. But um, yeah. yeah, no, it was good. Great.
0: That's Montana. Hopefully <laughs> that
1: helps people.
0: Love it. Cool. All right. So um, I'll chuck your link, your Instagram bio in the bottom of the podcast. Yeah,
1: certainly people um, can find me on Instagram. Yeah. Um, it's just at Montana underscore Dupay, but Cash will pop that in the notes. Um, that's probably the best way to reach me. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you.